good. All right, let's take a Bible tonight, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to continue our uh, Bible study through the parables, and we're getting close to finishing this up, and uh, we got a few more left we're going to talk about. Uh, but uh, Luke chapter 15, and the whole chapter uh, is, uh, it's actually three parables, but for the most part, it's kind of teaching the same thing. And so we're going to uh, look at chapter 15 tonight. I'm not going to read for our text the whole chapter of Luke chapter 15, but I'll read the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 15. So if you find your place, uh, stand with me, if you will, for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, we'll read down to verse 10. The Bible says, Then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Bible, the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you speak to us through it. Thank you for it, Lord. And God, I pray that we would learn the, the spiritual truths you'd have for us to hear. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, the parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus, uh, a lot of his teaching was through parables, and he did that for uh, a lot of different reasons. But and sometimes, based upon his crowd, is who he was addressing through the teaching of his parables. Uh, to this particular parable, we see that he gives the parable because of the reaction of the Pharisees and the scribes. Surprise, surprise, the religious crowd has a problem with Jesus. Amen? And uh, they're the ones that gave him the hardest time. And I love what it says there in verse 1. Notice, then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man received the sinners and eateth with them. And uh, again, folks, uh, who was it Jesus Christ came to save? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Right. Lost. And the religious crowd had a problem because Jesus rubbed elbows with sinners. Amen? Right. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, he uh, was like them to reach them. Okay? By the way, that philosophy is not a biblical philosophy. Uh, that's a philosophy floating around, uh, quote, quote, Christianity today, that you got to be like the world to reach the world. And that is not a biblical philosophy. But... You know what? How can we reach a world we never touched? Amen? And how can we reach sinners if we're not willing to interact with them? And so Jesus wasn't afraid to interact with them. And by, the Bible even says that he eateth with them. Amen? And uh, so uh, Jesus, we see uh, his heart here uh, for people. And uh, you know what, folks? So we too must have a heart for people. 
That's part of the reason we're going to do what I talked about during the announcement time. And because you know what? I don't want us to ever lose our heart for people, right. uh, yeah. for loving people. Yeah. By the way, serving people. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And uh, that's an important thing for us to uh, never uh, lose sight of. So let's look at the parable here tonight. Uh, let's look at the interpretation, and I'll give you the application, and then we'll close out with an example. Now, first of all, we, we read about the lost sheep. Uh, of course, the sheep there, the one sheep pictures a sinner who needs to repent. And by the way, let me say this, all sinners need to repent. Amen? Yeah. And by the way, who's sinners? We're all sinners. Amen? Amen. Yep. As in we, all right? As in the pew, as in the pulpit, as in all of us. We are all sinners. What the Bible tell us? There is none righteous, no, not one. Right. And so the greatest need for sinners is to repent. And so that sheep, the one sheep, pictures a sinner who needs to repent. The 99 uh, picture those in the fold who are saved. And then we see the fact that there was rejoicing when the lost sheep was found. And that is a very clear, in fact, the Bible even says that, a picture of how heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. Amen? By the way, think about this for a minute. This is a powerful truth. To think that on earth we can cause emotional reaction in heaven. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. Okay, on earth we can do actions uh, as we're living in our in, in our in our temporal lives that affect the eternal. Amen. By the way, what we do here on earth does affect what happens in heaven. Amen. And so that's what the lost sheep represents. The, the lost silver, one lost silver piece, uh, or the piece of silver pictures again a lost sinner who needs to repent. And uh, the nine pieces of silver pictures those who are saved. And again, you pretty much see Jesus say, say the same thing, that when when the, the lost piece is found, uh, the woman that lost it rejoiced it. All of a sudden, interesting, it was a woman who lost it, not a man. Amen? And, uh, but uh, when she lost it, she found it, she rejoiced. Amen? Just as, again, as there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repented. And then the, the, the parable we did not read, because it... Um, it uh, takes up most of the chapter, uh, is a very famous parable, and that's the parable of the prodigal son. And that in itself, folks, I could probably preach four messages out of that parable. I won't do it tonight, amen? We'll stick with the one I'm on. Uh, but, uh, of course, we know, we understand that parable, uh, where the uh, in verse 12, all the way down through verse 32, where a, a father has two sons, and the younger son uh, wanted the portion of his inheritance and the father, of course, gave it to him. And the Bible says that he went to the far country and he wasted his substance with riotous living. And again, I'm not going to preach that parable tonight per, per se uh, because that's not the direction we're going. But man, there's a lot of truth in that. Amen? And then finally, when that, uh, that, that younger son, here's what the Bible says. He came to himself. By the way, one of the songs we sang tonight talked about the husk. And uh, and I think it was that song nobody, not, none of us knew. All right, and uh, but it talked about the hut. And what was it referring to? It was referring to verse sixteen. And when he had fame, would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And then the Bible says this: uh, it says that he finally, when he came to himself, you know, sometimes folks, in order for sinners to repent, they've got to come to the end of themselves. Amen. Uh, sometimes God allows us to go so low before we see our way up. But praise the Lord, the younger son did repent. He returned to the father. And of course, there was rejoicing in the house, uh, the father's house, when, when the son came home. All except that was for the older brother. Of course, he was upset 
that the father killed the fatted calf, that the father uh, put upon him the purple robe, that the father put the ring upon his hand, and he was upset about that. And uh, But uh, again, uh, that represents the fact that sinners need to repent, and that you know what, folks, as believers, we need to have the right attitude about sinners that are repenting. Amen? Amen. All right? By the way, folks, let me just remind us, all right? Not everybody that walks in those doors of this church has it all together. By the way, uh, it, we want people like that. Amen? Right. In fact, if a church is doing its job, you're going to have all kinds of sinners walk through that door. Yeah. Right. By the way, as those of us that, that maybe are on the journey to Christian life a little further, amen, we need to help folks grow in the Lord and help and be there. Now listen, we're not going to put up with nonsense, okay? All right? And uh, we have things in place to deal with stuff like that. But folks, listen, we got to love people where they're at. By the way, here's what I always tell folks. Listen, as the pastor of this church, I promise you, I will accept you wherever you're at, but don't expect me to not help you grow and get further where you're on the journey you need to be. Amen? I'll accept you wherever you start, but the goal is not to stay where you start, but to continue further on the journey. And that's the point in the preaching, the teaching of the Word of God. Amen? To help us grow in our Christian walk. And so that lost son there, again, pictures the same thing all throughout the parable here. So let's get right into the practical application of the parable tonight. Several things we see. Here's the first thing we see is this, is that there, first of all, was something that was lost. In every parable, there was something that was lost. In the first part, it was the lost sheep. In the second one, it was the lost silver. In the third one, it was the lost son. And folks, let me just say this, amen? All of us at one point in our lives were lost, right. amen? We were born lost. Nobody's born saved, amen? Right. Nobody's born on the way to heaven. We're all born sinners on the road to hell. And if we're going to get to heaven, we must at some point take a detour off that road and get on the, the road of forgiveness, the road of repentance, the road of being born again, amen? Right. And listen, folks, at one time, all of us were lost, if we're not careful, we start getting a pious, pharisaical attitude about lost people. Let me just say this, folks, all right? You know, I'm not surprised when the world does what the world does. You know why? Because they're lost. Okay? And in fact, God's not surprised when the world does what the world does because they're lost. All right? And so, folks, listen, we've got to have the right attitude about that and understand that there's always going to be things that are lost. And we see that here. Lost sheep, lost silver, lost son. Here's the second thing we see. Man, this gets good. Somebody was looking for what was lost. Yeah. Amen? Somebody was looking for what was lost. You ever lost something and it drove you crazy until you found it? Oh, my goodness. I remember uh, so many times. Uh, I don't know how you all are, but sometimes I have a bad short-term memory. Okay? In fact, just coming here, me and the boys were talking about uh, something we did this week. We couldn't remember what we did on Tuesday. We're like, man, what did we do Tuesday? What we do? Where were we working at? What job did we do? What were we doing? I mean, it literally took us about 10 minutes to finally remember what we were doing on Tuesday. And sometimes I'll do that short term. I, 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 I'm very famous for doing this. I'll be working on something. I'll set a tool down, go to find it a few minutes later and can't find it again. What did I do with that stupid thing? It's usually the most obvious place, you know, like in my ear, up on my hat or something like that. You know, your pencil stuck in your ear and your hat or your glasses up on your head or something along those lines. I don't know about y'all, but when I lose something, it drives me crazy. Okay? And you know, I, I want to find what I lost. Now listen, if that's true when it comes to the 
physical, temporal things of this life, how much more true is it when it comes to the people's spiritual condition? Amen? And let me just say this, folks. Praise God, someone in our parable was looking for what was lost. Right. Amen. And I'm so glad, praise the Lord, amen, that God was looking for us and looked for us and we're lost. Amen. Again, what's the Bible say? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. By the way, the Bible is very clear on this, that, the, that before we're saved, the Father is the one that seeks us out. The Bible says that He draws us to Himself. Amen? God is in the seeking business. Alright? We see in verse 4, it said, Go after that which is lost. Verse 8, Seek diligently till she found it. Now, verse 20, the, His Father saw Him, had compassion, and ran. Amen? Every single one of these parables, yes, there was something that was lost, but praise God, there was someone who was looking for what was lost. Right, yeah. By the way, once we're saved as Christians, you know what God then does for us? He puts us in the seeking business as well. Yeah. He wants us, us to be out looking for the lost. Amen. By the way, you don't have to look very far to find them. Yeah. <laughs> they're everywhere, right? They're, they're, they're our neighbors. They're the people we work with. They're the people we interact with. The people we see driving up and down the road every day. And I understand, folks, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are saved out there. But according to the Bible, there's more lost people than saved people. Right? What's the Bible say in Matthew chapter 7 about that road? The road that leads to destruction talks about how wide it is. And many there be that go in there at, right? The wide gate. The, the, the path that leads to life is narrow. The gate is, uh, the, the gate is narrow. Few there be that find it. Yep. So truth be told, there's more lost than saved. You know what we need to be doing as Christians? Looking for those opportunities. God gives to the lost. Now listen, folks. We don't make We ought to at least got to give you. We at least have to give So we see, first of all, something. Someone was looking for that was lost.
Think about that, folks. That number one, you'd save me. Number two, you'd call me into your service. Man, folks, compared to the masses, think about that. What a privilege. And then not only that, God, you allow me to live in America. You allow me to enjoy the freedoms you give me. You bless me with a family. You bless me with all these privileges. Man, how could your heart not pour out thanksgiving to God when you think about those types of things? Amen? Hey, listen, folks. I'm glad I was found. Amen? I got found on September the 13th, 1989, when I was a nine-year-old boy. Amen? And just because I grew up in church didn't mean I had an automatic, uh, my ticket punched to heaven. Uh, you know what? I don't care whether you grow up in church, whether you grow up on the street. I don't care where you grow up. Everybody's got to come to the Lord the same way. Amen? Amen. And I praise God that He loved me enough Amen. to seek me out. And He found me that evening on a Wednesday night, September 13th, 1989. Amen? And you know what? I pray that there's been a day in your life you've been found as well. And so, uh, praise the Lord, there was something that was found. But not only that, here's what else we see, is that there was rejoicing when it got found. There was rejoicing. I mean, what that tells us, folks, that God knows every single person that accepts Him as Savior. Amen? Not only does God know about it, God is interested in it. So much to so that there is a party going on in heaven. Amen? There's rejoicing going on in heaven when that lost sinner is found. That's what the Bible said. Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. Rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I have lost. But the father said to the servant, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring him to the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Let me tell you why heaven is such a happy place. Amen? Because it's happy because there's there's people that, that are getting found. Amen? There's people getting found. And I don't know how it works, all right? I obviously haven't been there yet. Looking forward to going, but I haven't been there yet. I don't know if God, you know, allows uh, that there's something that all of heaven knows when a sinner on earth repents. And, and, you know, maybe there's a hip, hip, hooray. I don't know what it is. Amen? I guarantee it's probably more than just a little bit of that. I can tell you that. I'm going to tell you, folks, I don't know exactly how it works. What goes on? All I know is the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when a sinner repents. Amen? And so someone rejoices for that what was found. Let me just say this. You know, as Christians, we ought to take interest in the things that matter most to God. Now, I'm all for having a good time here on earth. All right. You know, I used to be in the sports world I am now. I used to cheer for my favorite team or whatever. Not so much anymore. I'm, I'm pretty much done with that stupid stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, I lost my interest when it started getting political, all right? And it ticks me off, you know, that here we got a bunch of big uh, punk gangsters, basically, paid millions of dollars, and everybody thinks they're heroes, and yet you have those that are the true heroes uh, barely scraping by, amen? I got a problem with that. I think there's something wrong with that. But I used to like that stuff a little bit. And you know what? I'll tell you, back, back the Peyton Manning play. Man, I was a Peyton Manning fan. I don't think I, I missed hardly any game where Peyton played in. I, I love watching him play. And you know what? When Peyton would throw a touchdown, you better believe I was up screaming and rejoicing, you know? And uh, you know what? Here's the thing, though. Here, here's the thought. If we can, you know, rejoice and, you know, raise our voice over stuff like that, why in the world can we not get happy about and rejoice when good things happen that matter for eternity? Amen? Yeah. Particularly the subject matter of the night when a sinner repents. And not just that, but when, when, when things are, uh, people make decisions and, and God heals a home and God transforms a life, where's the rejoicing in that? Amen? 
I'm going to tell you, those are the things that we really ought to be rejoicing about. So someone rejoiced for that what was found. And then here's what else we see through these parables is this, is that there's value in one. There's value in one. Now folks, listen to me. You know what the devil wants you to think? The devil wants you to think that God is so big, God is so far away, that God, that he doesn't really, really know us that well. That's what the devil wants you to think. Let me tell you something, folks. Nothing further from the truth. Let me tell you why. Notice what the Bible said. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. There's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You know what that tells us, folks? That God values every single soul. Every single soul. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that if there was one person, one person that was on earth that Jesus Christ had to come and die for, I believe if just one person was lost and needed saved, Christ would have came and suffered and died for that one person. I believe that, amen? I've actually heard preachers say that that's not the case. I don't believe that one bit. I believe Christ would have suffered and died if I were the only one, if you were the only one, amen? Because that's how much he loves and values one soul. By the way, folks, let's not get so caught up sometimes in the numbers of things that we don't see people on an individual level. Because God sees us as individuals. He knows us as individuals. He loves us as individuals and values us as individuals. Amen? You know, the world pushes this collectivism, this this globalism, if you will. Amen? Let me tell you, God's about the individual. God's about the personal. God's about that, that that knowing everybody in a very real intimate way. Amen? So there is value in one. So something was lost. Something was looking for what was lost. Something was found. Someone rejoiced for that what was found. And there is value in one. Now take your Bible. Flip over just a couple pages to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'll give you a quick example. We'll pray and, and head to our prayer time for tonight. Luke chapter 19. We sing about him almost every Sunday morning. All right, I don't know that I've ever preached a message on it before, uh, but uh, uh, verse uh, chapter 19 and the first 10 verses is about Zacchaeus, that wee little man. Amen? Now, what we say, you know, Zacchaeus was a uh, wee, I don't think he was this tall, okay? <laughs> I think he was probably taller than that. But obviously he was short in stature because that's what the Bible says. Notice what it says in verse 1. And Jesus entered uh, Luke chapter 19 and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. That's what the Bible says about him, he was little of stature. And so Zacchaeus uh, represents the person that was lost. Amen? The person that was lost. The Bible says that he was a uh, not just a publican, but a chief among publicans. Now, back in the day, the publicans were the IRS of the day, okay? And uh, they weren't honest people. In fact, the reason they were rich is because they would skim off the side the taxes they would collect from the Roman government. And the government knew that. The government didn't care as long as they got their piece. And so uh, uh, the, the publicans were not people that most people liked, okay? And so if you were chief among publicans, you were basically, you know, you had other publicans work underneath you. So you were the chief liar. You were the chief thief, okay? That's basically what it was. And so um, Zacchaeus, 
Uh, that's who he was. He was a chief publican. He was of little stature. And you know what? He was lost. Amen. He was lost. But praise the Lord that uh, someone was looking who, for who was lost. Notice what it says. And he sought to see Jesus who he was. Now, no doubt, uh, the Jesus' reputation preceded him. Okay, uh, there, there wasn't uh, hardly probably anybody back in that day, uh, once Jesus' ministry, word of his ministry got out, that didn't know about this carpenter from Nazareth. I mean, how could you not know if someone within your country, and by the way, Israel's not that big of a country as far as landmass goes, all right? It's a pretty small country. And uh, I understand back then they, uh, they, they didn't have social media and internet, but human nature is for word to pass, amen? And it still does. All right. And so no doubt, Zacchaeus had heard about this carpenter from Nazareth. And the Bible says he wanted to see him. He wanted to know what was going on. And it says, uh, so what, what did he do? The Bible says, verse 4, and he ran before and climbed up into a, into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. So we see here some interest that Zacchaeus had in the Savior. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why he was seeking Jesus, just the fact that he was curious. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But you know what? God can do things that we can't, folks. You know what that's called? Look on the heart. Know the heart. By the way, that's why we as Christians to be very careful about just making snap judgment calls against people because we can't read a heart. Amen? And you never know. You know, sometimes I've been out talking to people, and, uh, you know, I'll stereotype people. Come on, let's be honest. We all do that, okay? All right? I'll see somebody who looks, you know, rough, okay? Someone big, someone tough, uh, someone maybe with, you know, tats all over them or whatever. And uh, at first I might be uh, a little intimidated by him, but you know what I find out? You know what? They need the gospel, and I go start talking to them. Truth be told, they're usually nicer than the, than the person that, that's all dressed prim and proper. I mean, I, that, that, that's just the case sometimes, you know? So you can't just judge the outer appearance. And, um, and uh, because God looks on the heart, Jesus, of course, knew what was on the heart. And you know what? He took time to seek after that tax collector. Look what it says in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Now think about it for a minute, all right? If Zacchaeus, who is a uh, small in stature, is climbing a tree... Most times, you ever noticed before, most of the time we don't naturally just look up, okay? That's why if you ever go into a restaurant, a lot of restaurants, all they do is paint their ceiling black. They don't cover ceilings a lot of times because you know why? Most people don't naturally just look up. So if you're actually looking up, you're doing it on purpose, okay? And Jesus, on purpose, the Bible says, he looked up and saw him. And here's what he said, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You know what that's called? Someone seeking after that which was lost. Someone seeking after him. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. We see that Zacchaeus then was found. It says that he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they... I know you know who the they were. The same they we talked about in Luke chapter 15, the religious crowd. The scribes, the Pharisees, those that were just following Jesus around to try to find fault in what he was doing. And when they saw it, they all murmured. Surprise, surprise. Right? Always got something negative to say. Always got something to gripe about. Always got to uh, uh, not look for the positives in life, but the negatives in life. They murmured, saying, 
that he was gone to be guest with the man that is a sinner. Amen? And by the way, thank God, Jesus Christ is still a man that wants to be guest with sinners. Amen? And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he had also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, here it is, folks, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now listen, Zacchaeus wasn't saved by works, okay? okay. He wasn't saved because he was going to uh, restore fourfold. No, that was a result of his conversion, right. amen? Okay. All right? The reason he was saved is because uh, he turned to the Savior for salvation. I think it's interesting here that immediately once he was saved, you know what? God then began to start immediately moving and working in his life. By the way, folks, that's, you know what that's called? Evidence of salvation. You know what that's called? It's called, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, behold, all things are become new. And by the way, isn't it interesting? The first area where Zacchaeus started submitting to God about was with his pocketbook. Amen? Hey, you know what? God got his heart. God had his pocketbook. And you know what he realized? Hey, you know what? I've stolen from people. He had. He was a thief. And here's what he said. He says, you know what? I will restore fourfold. Because you know what? God had all of him, not just some of him. And this day, salvation has come to thy house. And so, you know what? Someone was lost. That was that kid. Someone was seeking him was lost. That was the Savior. Someone got found. Of course, that kid got saved. And no doubt there was rejoicing for the fact that this man named Zacchaeus was saved. And then, then we see it at the end, verse 10, the value of one. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? And I don't know about you folks, but I'm so glad <laughs> that God's still in the seeking business. God's still in the saving business. God's still in the value or the business of seeing the value of one sinner. Amen? So don't you think for one second you're not important to God. Don't you think for one second that God doesn't know who you are, that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you? He absolutely does. I mean, think about it, folks. The price he was willing to pay to redeem us to himself. The price he was willing to pay. The most valuable thing there ever was was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is before all things. He is, And by him all things consist. Jesus Christ is the focal point of heaven. All right, and God was willing to give His own Son. You know why? For sinners, Amen. Is seeking to save that which was lost. And so, you know what? Let's let's uh, learn from the Master here, and uh, praise the Lord, He did that for us. Now, let's partner with Him, Amen. Let's partner with Him, and let's go out and do the same thing He did. And let's also go out and seek for those things that are lost. Let's pray, Lord. We love you tonight.